0: You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates.
1: You're watching The Inside slant on The Sports Objective. Over the next hour, the guys will be joined by -by play-by-play voices, beat writers, and other analysts from around the nation as they preview this weekend's college football action. Hear from you throughout the show via Facebook Live, on our YouTube channel, or on Twitter at the Sports Obj.
0: Now, here are the guys.
2: Welcome into the Inside Slant, right here on the Sports Objective CSO. Bubba Rosenbaum, how are you, man?
3: Doing well, Dave. Uh, it's been an interesting night with technology, but uh, okay. excited now to be talking some uh, college football.
2: No doubt, Bubba. Do you feel outnumbered? There's too many Daves on the show. Or... <laughs> yeah,
3: I de- definitely feel outnumbered tonight. But uh, you know, this guy, you know, he's a natural to have on uh, this week because we can kill two birds with one stone and getting previews of both the James Madison Dukes and the App State Mountaineers, uh, as he spent several years there in Harrisonburg as the play-by-play voice of JMU, and uh, they have obviously made that transition to the Sun Belt Conference and uh, have a conference game in Boone this weekend so um, you know welcome back into the show uh, now with Curtis Media Group and he hosts as you see there on the screen the Mountaineer Insider a weekly program taking a look at App State football. Um, Welcome back Dave Thomas.
4: Hey guys thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be on again.
2: No doubt Dave uh, how does that feel you know you were uh, the voice of uh, the Dukes for a few years there and I know you're happy to be. We're glad to have you back in North Carolina, even though it's the western part of the state, and we're in the eastern part for with me. I'll speak for me, but uh, glad to have you back. How does that feel to uh, now you have the team that you formerly were with uh, playing against the team now that you're covering now?
4: It's a little weird, to be honest. Uh, I, I spent seven wonderful years in Harrisonburg, and we moved back to, to Western North Carolina, where I'm from originally, to, to be near family. As a matter of fact, my wife and I just moved in with my 91-year-old mother. She's had some health issues, and so we're here to kind of you know help be a buffer for her. But as this transition started happening for us, I was hearing some things in Harrisonburg, and I knew this was coming. I just didn't know when. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the schedule pops up and JMU's coming to, to Boone this weekend. So it's it's a little surreal. I'm making sure I'm wearing neutral colors so nobody can say I'm siding one way or the other for sure.
2: And I know you have so many friends on both sides. Uh, what do you think about overall with the, with the game? I mean, it's great to have JMU uh, in the Sun Belt. Something that I know we first talked to you, there wasn't really... It was some interest, but it did seem like a lot of interest. Uh, what happened? For Jamie? Well Jamie,
4: they they were always interested. It just had to be the right scenario. They saw other schools make the move and a lot of schools made the move for TV money, which was there for a while, but then it dried up quickly. Jamie wanted to make sure when we move, we're sustained. we're we're at a level to where we can compete right away. We don't have to spin. Five or six or eight or 10 years trying to catch up to wherever we go. And the word I like to use at JMU is, is intentional. Everything they do has intent behind it. And so they were very strategic in what they do. I think it's a great move. Now, they're not sneaking up on anybody. I think they know that now, though. JMU's had the success nationally, you know, at the FCS level. And of course, they've gotten the attention to some of the bigger schools. And, and conferences were interested in JMU, where they are geographically, what they are academically. And of course, the, the, the heritage of the program is built in the short time they've had a program, uh, it, it means a lot. It carries a lot of weight. And they've got a rabid fan base, as you guys know, very similar to what East Carolina has. So uh, all those things rolled up into one. They made a great addition to the Sun Belt. And, again, they're they're, they're going to be strong right out of the gate. Coach Kurt Signetti is a coach I put up there with Mike Houston Is how he prepares, how he studies the opponent, how he gets ready for a game. And the Dukes will be ready when they roll into Boone this weekend for sure.
3: Yeah, I think this has a chance to be a, a tremendous uh, football game. I mean, obviously, the first three games for App State's have been uh, very unique. And then uh, just down to the wire, uh, had a chance to beat North Carolina, uh, failed to convert that two-point conversion attempt where they could have won 57-56. And then after allowing 60-plus points to the Tar Heels, uh, who do have a tremendous offense, with Drake May and company, uh, but they went down to Texas A&M, where the Aggies are still, you know, trying to figure things out offensively, and you know, very talented, but not nearly as experienced as uh, as the Apps are. And bounce back is in the way that you thought they would. And then last week, uh, obviously game day in town, and then the Hail Mary.
4: Yeah, the hail mary is something I I, I've never seen anything like that in person. Uh, it, It was I was packing my bag up, you know, thinking about okay, I've got to go down to the press conference now and talked to a football coach who, who lost a game after hosting game day. That happened to us in 2015 at JMU, and I know that was a huge cloud hanging over that whole day and that whole press conference. And so I'm packing the bag, and I'm looking. And, and Chase Bryce, as a kid, I, I, I've had the pleasure to meet a couple of times, and he really is as humble as he seems in some of the videos that they've put out. And he has this never-quit, never-die attitude. But we learned in the postgame press conference that that play is something they work on every week, and he may have thrown it a little bit short from what he thought he needed to, but it worked out perfectly. And and, and again, some good fortune had to come their way. But to watch that unfold and to see a collective fan base of thirty four thousand plus sigh, give a big sigh of relief and then explode onto the field all at the same time was 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 a pretty is a pretty memorable thing. I'll I'll never forget for sure.
3: Yeah, I had very quickly, Dave, um, since he brought that up as far as the rushing of the field, I wanted to ask him, um, you know, any reports out there? I know they had ambulance um, ambulances uh, that were there uh, on the field because some of the, the fans getting hurt.
4: Nothing serious. They were very fortunate. Uh, nobody was seriously injured, which is a good thing. So uh, as we made our way, we had to make our way through part of that crowd to get to the media room. And it was pretty intense. They were riding a high that that you can only imagine. Uh, But then we got to the media room and learned some had been injured, but thankfully nobody was seriously injured. So that's definitely a good thing. Uh, That's a very dangerous thing when it happens. And fans who've been celebrating for quite a while sometimes maybe don't have the best judgment when it comes to things like that. Uh, But uh, again, with a huge celebration, well deserved win. uh, Even though Troy had you know really Troy had a great game plan. Uh, and they executed it up until the uh, till, till the last play there, and, and Appalachian able to steal it.
2: And, Dave, uh, one of the things I know, Pirate fans, some Empire Nation, maybe you would use the term envy um, when it comes to Appalachian State and Boone and the athletic director. And I, I always say you're only good as the top. You're only good as um, the person in charge in this particular case. You guys have got a tremendous athletic director. I mean, when you think about Appalachian State and the history of that program, when you think about – um, not only the history of the program, but the fan base, like we talked about a rabbit fan base with, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, <clears throat> the Mountaineers. Uh, can you talk about that very thing of the, the administration, because they are doing some great things and to have a money game where Bubba has already told us last week, you get a million and a half uh, for that game and you win the game. And so basically A&M pays you to come down there and beat them.
4: Yeah, Doug Gillen, the Director of Athletics at App State, he's a visionary. Uh, he's got a lot of experience in this business, and he sees things bigger than what they are. Uh, he really does. I've enjoyed the times that I've been around him and talked with him. We've had many interviews on the phone and had been a part of some meetings with him uh, when we were putting together the Mountaineer Insider and trying to get his vision and guidance for for that. He, he gets it, uh, and and I think that's what it takes to to be a program that has envy of your your peers is you've got to have somebody at the top who really understands and looks not just today, not just next month, but looks down the road, but also connects with the fan base and understands that a big part of college athletics, this is a business, a big part of it now is fundraising. And what Mr. Gillen has done, he's got a terrific staff there built around him I uh, know some of these folks and how hard they work and what they do. So he's got the vision and the direction, but putting the staff together underneath him and then everybody collectively buying in. It's it's almost like a football coach who comes in, similar to what Coach Houston had to do there at East Carolina, rebuild with vision, understanding this is not going to ta- we're not going to do it today, I'm not even going to do it this year, but we're going to be able to do it if we all stick together and drink the team Kool Aid. And right now, everybody's drinking black and gold and boom for sure.
2: No question about it. With the both teams that you've been a part of, uh, with James Madison and and Boone, uh, what stands out to you for this matchup?
4: You know, they're they're very similar. And uh, watching how Coach Clark prepares a team and the things he prides himself on, toughness defensive toughness that they build around the offensive line very similar to what coach houston did when he was at jmu now what coach signetti has done at jmu uh two really good offensive line coaches and i think that's when you look at these teams and what they're able to do that's something that where it comes down to and i think this game is going to be predicated on what happens on the offensive and defensive lines to be honest with you because you got two two teams that play big boy football and they like to get out there and roll around and, 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 and make some pads pop. So that's going to be key, a key similarity, how they both love to run the football. And both of these teams are deep at that running back position. Uh, so that is going to be a big key, too. Who's able to run the ball like they want to is going to be important. I think where it's going to come down to, though, guys, is which secondary plays the best. Because these teams are going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to move it around. They're going to they're going to need a big play. Which secondary can yield either the fewest big plays or none? I think is definitely going to have an advantage.
3: And that's something. There is some inexperience and in, you know, youth in that App State secondary. Um, we've seen what they're capable of. Um, but then, I know um, in the game against North Carolina, obviously um, several big plays there, and you know some communication issues and execution, obviously. And then uh, also against Troy, uh, who had a a very solid quarterback.
4: Yeah, Troy threw the ball around a lot. We knew that coming in that that was going to be kind of their M.O. They didn't run the ball that well. They ran it just enough to try to keep you honest and maybe break a big play. You know, North Carolina threw it around a lot. Uh, JMU's got a talented wide receiver to Chris Thornton. Uh, He's a little undersized as far as his stature. But this kid's got great hands. He's got terrific speed. He has a he has a knack for getting open even when he's double covered. He's going to challenge App State's secondary, but App State's got some really good receivers too. And the secondary is going to be an area I'm watching for the Dukes. How did they respond? They've had some guys graduate and move on through that program as well. Some guys that may not have gotten as much playing time over the last couple of years. Similar to what we've ran into over the few years, where you go, well, we know these, we don't know these guys. We 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 kind of recognize the name, but what can they do? You're about to find out. And really, this is going to be a big test for JMU because they play a pretty good Middle Tennessee State team, and then Norfolk State. No no disrespect to the Spartans, but they're not quite on the level of what App State has faced in North Carolina, Texas A&M, and Troy. So the Dukes having the bye week is probably a good thing for them to get ready, but this is going to be probably – it's definitely going to be the most physical game they've played this year for sure.
2: No question about a three thirty game on Saturday. Uh, I just saw on the website Black Saturday, so I, I, under, that's, I assume that you everybody coming to the stadium – Uh, It's like the man in black, the woman in black, right?
4: Yeah, and a good thing it's gonna be cooler this weekend. We're finally gonna we had a break of, of high to mid eighty degree temperatures in the high country. That's gonna dip into the seventies, so it's gonna feel more boonish. But it's also gonna feel very similar for the folks in Harrisonburg. They're gonna be very comfortable too. So but a lot of black, a lot of noise being made at Kid Brewer Stadium. That's an electric environment. It really is something to behold when you get there and things start building and, and when the game kicks off. And the one thing I told some folks in Harrisonburg about this about coming to Boone these students show up early, and they wait until it's over. They don't leave early normally. They're there until the very end of it all. They're really bought into the program and to the atmosphere. The atmosphere is going to be a fun one for sure come Saturday.
2: No doubt about it. In fact, I know East Carolina is coming to Boone next year, Dave, so we'll have to catch up with you and spend some time with you. And I know the I've never been to a football game in App. I've been to Boone many times, just never had a chance – and have been to the campus but not to a football game yet
4: it's something you got to check out you really got to be a part of it because it, it is an electric environment no doubt about it
2: now obviously um
3: it's been well documented um not only the crowd that the apps had um for the first two home games um but i think something what all but one home game has been sold out already and I know a lot of that had to do with um, the increase in season tickets, and, and especially with North Carolina coming to town for the initial time. But uh, how is JMU uh, traveling to this one? You, ha- have you heard anything there?
4: The, the indications I'm getting from people on social media and the folks that have sent me messages hey, you're going to be around Saturday. I'd like to see you if possible. JMU always travels well with, within a reasonable distance. We went to Texas, or not Texas and we went to, to SMU in 2015. And there were a couple hundred folks out there, if not more, for that upset when Bad Lee went off on the Mustangs. Uh, so JMU travels well. They have a good contingent. And the one thing I noticed, no matter where I was in the country, wearing something JMU, i normally get a Go Dukes from somewhere, some corner of an airport, somewhere across the street, something like that, uh, really all over the country. So they've got a big fan base, and they've got a big alumni base in Charlotte. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're having a big Duke Club event in Banner Elk on Saturday night. Uh, but there's a lot of folks in the Charlotte area. I know some of the folks uh, that have gone through, gra- graduated. And Jamie recruited Charlotte really well under Coach Mike Houston and Coach Sir- Kurt Signetti. They've been able to get some players out of that area. So it, it'll be, there'll be a good showing of purple there on Saturday, I'm sure.
3: You mentioned that name, Mike Houston, kind of shifting away from this App State-James-Madison matchup. Um, we've obviously, when we've had you on the show before, Talked about Coach Houston, everything he's accomplished, everywhere he's been, and he's certainly a, a winner in every sense of the word. And we we knew it was just a matter of time before he turned East Carolina into a winner, and he's well on his way to doing that. The Pirates were seven and five a season ago, and this year they're off to a two and one start, uh, two dominant wins over Old Dominion and Campbell, and then a near miss against top 15 NC State.
4: Coach Houston's a winner on the field, but he, he he's a winner in every aspect of the game. Uh, your white uniforms and white helmets has got your fan base. I've seen it on social media. Everybody's in a stir on this. Coach understands this is more than just what's played on the field. This is about building a feeling. It's about feeling momentum. And keeping you excited in April as well as in October, uh, and Coach Houston does that as good as anybody. He understands it, you know. And I'm not one to say I told you so, but when you guys hired him and you say, "Hey, what are we getting?" I told you, you know. He's a guy that's prepared, and it was it was interesting when I was at JMU and Coach Signetti came in. They're different personalities, but they're so similar in so many ways and their preparedness and how they knew the opponent, and the time they spent studying. And and Coach Houston does that as, as good as anybody, but he also understands what's important to marketing, what's important to the alumni, what's important to you know, to every facet of the program because it is it is it is bigger than just the team itself and he does a really good job of getting that. I'm thrilled for him. He's a wonderful guy. His family's wonderful. I know this was a move is is important to his family as it was anything but he took the job at East Carolina nice to see that it's starting to pay off for him and if you'd be more patient I think things will continue to get bigger for him
3: hey and very quickly Dave um, since he brought up those uh, white uniforms for the painted white game first ever painted white game this weekend I thought I'd th- show those onto our viewers that may not have seen them thus far you know I think that's Xavier Smith and you know wearing that uh, painted white uniform very clean look and there's a better look at the helmet
4: yeah, Sharp. He, he brought some great uniforms when he was at JMU. Uh, started that at Lenore Ryan as well. And, and it's important. It gets the fan base excited. And listen, let's be honest, that is a recruiting tool as much as it is anything. Kids. Uh, Everett Withers, who was Mike Houston's predecessor at JMU, said it's about the bling. It's about getting kids' attention. Moms and dads want to know what kind of education can they get. Kids want to go, what, how good am I going to look when I run on the field? And Coach Houston really understands that.
2: And that, and that look, that white whiteout uh, we're talking about, that helmet, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because when you don't see it, you can't really visualize it. And you're like, uh, I don't know about that. And then you look at this particular case, we saw it a couple of days ago and I was like, wow, that really, that helmet, for example, you would think in your mind the white wouldn't work, but it really pops. I was really surprised. I have to admit that I, w- I was not uh, too sure about it. And then when I saw it, I was like, wow,
4: I can guarantee you that if he's going to roll something out to your fan base and, and, and to your student body, it's going to be well-researched, looked at, do it again, another mock-up, give me another give me another one. Uh, there, he's going to make sure that it's going to be right and, it, and it's something you're going to be excited about.
2: No doubt about it. In fact, um, after having you on, it made me feel even more uh, pumped up when he was hired in December of 2018. And Dave, I said you're four and I'll, I'll stand to this so we would win a, a um, American championship. That might be a little bit of a stretch and everybody's like, what? not so fast, my friend. I'm, I'm actually kidding. But I um, I am happy to say the reason I brought that up is that Mike Houston have, has even the fans believing that we have a shot to win an American championship. We've never won an American championship. We've been in the league since 2014. And it's good to know that we have just a chance to win a championship where before, as you know, uh, we were struggling to win games. Period, much less an American Championship.
4: Well, you're winning at the gate now. You're winning at the merchandise stand. You're you're winning with your recruits. You're winning with fan interest. It's not just about winning games, although that's that's probably the most important aspect of it. But you got to win in all layers. And for folks to be excited, sometimes it's a slower build. I mean, in 2016 when he came to JMU, he turned it in one year and you win a national championship. Doesn't happen for everybody. That was a magical year. There's no doubt about that. But building things slowly, you have a more stable foundation. And for the, you can look at the players he's recruited from his first year there to who he's getting now. The interest in the players that are transferring into this program, they understand something special is happening in Greenville.
2: No doubt about it. I know that you've got to get up early in the morning, so we try not to keep you much longer. Um, that uh, alarm clock is going to be really bad at 3 a.m., but uh, as far as the matchup is concerned, as far as Boone and uh, when it comes to Appalachia State, talk about the offensive, de- defensive side of the ball.
4: You know, defensively, the Mountaineers are really, really good, uh, especially up front. Uh, Nick Hampton is a guy that's going to play on Sunday. Jordan Earl, the nose guard, Uh, He carries a golden plunger around and considers himself the plunger. He clogs up the hole so the rest of the defense can work. These guys get to the ball really really quickly. And Jamie's going to bring some some problems for them offensively. They're going to try to keep them off balance. They're going to try to throw some things uh, at them that's going to be hard for them to to figure out schematically. Uh, the Dukes are going to try to roll some things out, but I'm telling you App State's got a really good defense. They're really solid. Uh, this is going to be a it's going to be a fight. Again, I think it's going to be, you know, come down to who who handles the the trenches the best. Offensively, you can never not believe in Chase Bryce. Cam Peoples is a, is a running back, I think, that could have a really big day, 6'2", 225. He's a beast of a runner. But they've got depth in that running back room at App State. They believe in each other. They believe in their offensive line, which they call the Bulls. And they're going to run behind these Bulls if they can. So it, it's going to be fun to watch and see how creative these offensive coordinators and these head coaches actually get on both sides of the ball.
2: I had a question uh, real quick, Bob. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask a sidebar question about Scott Satterfield. Um, like it's amazing with uh, one part of the question incredible how staying in back Satterfield that are like around the program that are re- him regretting leaving uh app state because he was like winning like nobody's business
4: well i think you know the, it, it, they say you have to be an app state guy to play there and, and and he coach satterfield who i don't know personally is an app state guy he's still well beloved and they're cheering for him to do well This was an opportunity he got to improve his situation and his family. And you can't fault a man when he gets that opportunity Uh, because of what he built in Boone and what he did in Boone and how positive he was in Boone got in this opportunity. Now, he's got to go win there. I think he can. I think they could be a sneaky good team. He's put together some coaches on his staff that he coached with at App State. He's bringing some guys in, and he knows from my perspective, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to get everything we got, and we're going to have guys who understand what our mission is. Uh, So I think they're going to be a sneaky team. If he gets enough time there, we've seen what he can do. Uh, and obviously, he didn't, you know, it was a reason he had to be hired in. Uh, it, give him time to, to rebuild it. Give him time. Be patient. Uh, don't pull the trigger. Last year, they were decimated with the injuries. If they can have an opportunity to put something really special together, it's got, it may be a slower build, but it's worth it in the end if you allow that to happen.
3: Yeah, Dave, um, taking a look around the country, And final thing I have for you, you know, what are some college football stories and things that have really caught your eye through the first three weeks of the season as we head into week four?
4: Well, you know, App State's been the story. They're, they're, the, they're the darling, as Coach Clark said, where everybody's darling right now. Uh, they have to continue to play that way. Uh, they have handled the attention, Coach Clark, Chase Bryce, uh, folks in fundraising, I mean, they're, they're, everybody's getting a piece of the pie here. Everybody's wanting to know what's happening in Boone, what is special about Boone, and so they're they're finding out from from the athletic director to assistant athletic directors to the quarterback being on national radio, local regional radio. Uh, so that's the story right now. Uh, can JMU come in and can they steal the crown? Uh, Coach Signetti came into JMU and gave Coach Mike Houston his only home loss in his time. At, at jmu can he come in here and start his sunbelt career off stealing a victory at the rock it is going to be an incredible game on saturday there's no doubt about it but i think app state's probably the biggest story right now around college football
2: no doubt about it it's uh one of those things uh obviously being from the state of north carolina the population's growing in north carolina there's like apple and all these big companies as you know dave if it's east or part of the state the west or part of the state everybody wants to be in North Carolina. And I think that's been great because there's seven division one schools. You have a population of what, 9 million people. We uh, not to take away too much more of your time, but it's been a great uh, story to see that we were pulling hard for you guys. Obviously uh, Texas AM and I'm not a fan really of Chip <laughs> Fischer. You don't have to come on that, but I, I think that um, man, coach Clark has done a phenomenal job and uh, really happy to see that for him. And, obviously that fan base and is there anything before we let you go that maybe people don't know about this team so far this year of they've done a nice job but you're talking about handling the pressure but is there a nice storyline maybe within the storyline so to speak that maybe we don't know
4: it's just about their 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 program, their their family. They, they they call it family. They consider it family. They they're very tight uh, from from the starters to to the walk ons. They're very very tight. If you're in that locker room, you're part of something special at App State. That's what they really believe. So I appreciate you guys having me on and give me a chance to talk about it.
2: No doubt, Dave. We'll let you go. Uh, before we let you go, can you tell everybody plug the Mountaineer Insider, how we can watch that, and about how we can hear your uh, local shows there in Boone.
4: Yeah, the Mountaineer Insider, we do it weekly, uh, and it airs on our uh, on our on one of our flagship stations and an affiliate of App State Sports and Boone, W-A-T-A. You can just go to goblueridge.net. We have an overall state. We have five stations. We have an overall group website. Click on Listen Live on W-A-T-A Wednesday nights at 6, and you can hear the Mountaineer Insider.
2: All right, sounds great. What about social media? How can people follow you?
4: I'm on Twitter at, D- at dt radio guy.
2: All right, thanks so much. We'll let you go. Thanks for your patience tonight with our – I always say technology is great when it works. Thank you so much, Dave. Appreciate you, man. And get some sleep.
4: Thanks guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: Have a good night. Appreciate Dave very much. He's always been very good to us, Bubba. And I know that he, uh, working hard and, uh, getting up early in the morning. So we didn't want to take too much of his time. And he was patient, uh, a long wait in the green room as we had technology, technology issues. So great to have him and Bubba. Um, thanks for getting him on. It's great to catch up with him and, uh, I have more respect for him as he moves back and uh, changes his radio career, um, to help out his mom who's 91 and having some health issues.
3: Yeah. Right. You had mentioned having Adam Witten on, and we'll certainly have Adam Witten oh, yeah. on later know. in the season. Um, you know, I, it was well documented his, uh, his call, just pure excitement and just that natural reaction. <laughs> You know, it's very much like a fan reaction instead of a play by play voice, and understandably so, um, with the way the Mountaineers defeated Troy last Saturday afternoon. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, that was just just a once in a lifetime type of finish and miracle on the mountain part two, as they're calling it. But uh, he was a natural to have on, uh, uh, Dave Thomas, that is, um, because. Uh, we had already had Adam wentin on, and uh, I knew he, his time would be um, tight. And then also uh, David Ware, who we'd had on last week, talking about college game day being in Boone. Um, so I thought we'd get that perspective with Dave Thomas having been at James Madison for those seven seasons.
2: Great to catch up with him uh, pre-show. I didn't know that he had moved uh, back to North Carolina and not with James Madison. So great to. Uh... To have. It's always great. Bubba, how big is your Rolodex now, man? <laughs> For four and a half years. Hey, by the way, Bubba, as uh, people may not know, we're over 700 episodes. For people that thought we couldn't make it, over 700 episodes in four and a half years, so we must be doing something right.
3: Yeah, the show continues to grow. We appreciate everyone tuning in and uh, and really appreciate your support. Be sure to click subscribe on YouTube and ring that notification bell. So anytime we go live or, you know, release new content, you're alerted on whatever device.
2: No doubt. It. Do you want to talk about some games coming up? I know that we uh, we, we uh, had planned on being off the air by now. So um, for those expecting maybe a little bit longer show, we're going to have uh, Bubba and I are absolutely, <laughs> well, you're not supposed to say it as a performer, but just to be real, we keep it real with the show. We're both exhausted. So uh, we're not going to have the long show, the hour-long show that we normally have.
3: Yeah, keeping it short and sweet tonight. uh, Did want to mention some of the top games taking place this weekend before we take a look nationally at some of the top 25 matchups and other games of interest. Um, We will take a quick look around the American. Obviously, East Carolina hosting Navy. We previewed that on Tuesday night when we caught up with Pete Medhurst and uh, got his thoughts on the matchup between the Pirates and Midshipmen. East Carolina, surprisingly, and – A lot of people's eyes, uh, surprisingly, a 17-point favorite. But um, I guess when you look at this year's results, which is what matters, uh, I guess it's not as surprising, but still just because of our history um, and struggling against Navy, particularly at uh, dowdy Ficklin Stadium, it is um, shocking to see that 17-point spread. But uh, also in the American, you had the battle for the iron skillet taking place out in Dallas as TCU. Uh, SMU's former coach, Sonny Dykes, is returning to the hilltop. TCU is a two-point favorite against the Mustangs.
2: That's crazy. I tell you what, there's some, uh, you know, they're talking about sneaky good. There's some scary good games, and that's another one, uh, Bubba, that's uh, pretty much, when you call that, if it's uh, three points or less, I'll pick them. I mean, I know it's like two points, but yeah. 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 And,
3: And, and uh, I about said that that yeah, TCU's a two point favorite, but it's essentially a a pick 'em, and um, that that's a very intriguing matchup. And SMU's coming off a you know nail biting loss up at Maryland, yes, looking looking to bounce back against their former coach, and uh, you know that. I think it's very safe to say no no shortage of. Um, motivation anytime these two programs get together. And it's even more so this year with Sonny Dykes leading the Horn Frogs.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. But I know his dad is a, uh, having history there as a coach at TCU. So it makes sense. It's just uh, – that's a tough one because uh, you know how people in Texas love their football. And uh, that's that's going to be a great game. I'll tell you another one, Bubba. Um, are you going to stay in the? – I'm sorry, you're going to stay in the American.
3: Yeah, Army? we'll go around the American and then we'll uh, – talk nationally and regionally. But, um, yeah, South Florida, the Bulls nearly took down the Gators last week in the Swamp, unfortunately unable to close it out. But, um, you know, encouraging nonetheless for Coach Scott and that and that program, and they are on the road this weekend again as they travel to Louisville. They're a 14-and-a-half point dog to Scott Satterfield and the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, that's – I tell you, I'm just. Uh, I know that they're uh, Matt and there are other people that actually not talking about you know the the big time matchups. But Bubba, there's a lot of. Uh, I know you and I and are big college football nerds. To me, there's a lot of good games that are around the nation that I don't think they got enough attention this week. I
3: agree. I think they're. Uh... No, it may not be one of the the best weeks. But at the same time, it's better than people are giving it credit for. And, uh, and we'll talk about some of those uh, games of national interest here in just a few minutes. Uh, sticking within the American, you have Temple and first-year head coach Stan Drayton. They're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home against UMass. Um, the Minutemen are really struggling. They've already been blown out uh, down in New Orleans by Tulane. And uh, this is one that Temple absolutely has to get. Uh, at Lincoln Financial Field against the Minutemen. Um, you have Cincinnati on um, the Bearcats, a 17 point favorite at home at Nippert Stadium as Big Ten foe Indiana comes to town. Um, the Bearcats won last year. Uh, They're in or at Indiana. And this year, um, Indiana's to a 3 0 start, but they haven't exactly played a a stellar schedule to date, but the Hoosiers are uh, 3-0 and nonetheless. And uh, we'll be uh, you know coming from Bloomington uh, looking to knock off a heavy favorite in Cincinnati at minus 17. Uh, you have the Memphis Tigers, their host in North Texas. Uh, Memphis is a 12-and-a-half point favorite at the Liberty Bowl. You have UCF, nearly a three-touchdown favorite last weekend the Knights bounce back. Uh, with a win over FAU after falling the previous Friday night to Louisville. And uh, Georgia Tech, man, uh, Jeff Collins' ball club is really struggling. Yeah. I think um, he could be one of the coaches that has a fate similar to uh, Herm Edwards and, and be fired before before uh, all 12 games are played. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, the, the Knights are 20-and-a-half um, point favorites. Uh, uh, with with uh, Georgia Tech coming to the bounce house,
2: that's that's just uh, unreal, isn't it? Like uh, you thought Jeff Collins would be able to do very well, or do not thought he would do uh, much better than than has happened there with uh, Georgia Tech. No disrespect to UCF, but uh, Georgia Tech has really, really dropped off, and uh, just uh, I know there are a lot of Yellow Jacket fans out there that as much as they love their basketball and baseball, they, they, they definitely have got to see their football pick up in Atlanta.
3: Yep. And uh, so moving on to the last few games uh, involving AAC teams, Tulsa traveling to Oxford. They are a 22-point dog to Lane Kiffin's Rebels. Uh, you have the Crosstown battle with Rice in Houston. Um not, not sure what Rice has done the last game or two. Uh, I, kn- I do know in the opener, and um, they went to the Coliseum, and Lincoln Riley and the Trojans beat them something like 63-14. Uh, Houston, uh, they've been a disappointment to date. Um, they, they won an overtime or multi-overtime game, I believe, in, in game one against UTSA in San Antonio. Uh, but since that victory in the Alamo Dome, they have – last week they lost to Kansas at home. And then um, prior to that, they lost in Lubbock to Texas Tech in a, in a nail-biter. So uh, they are one and two and uh, looking to get well, so to speak, against um, their crosstown rival, Rice. And I think they'll do that. Uh, that would be, I think, one of my locks of the week, even though it's a rivalry matchup. I think they'll cover that 17-and-a-half. And then, and then you have Tulane, uh, the Green Wave, coming off that win in Manhattan against K-State uh, where they rolled the dice and went for it on fourth down and salted that one away, uh, picking up a, a fourth down or converting a fourth down, picking up a first down. Uh, they are about their own 20-yard line uh, to to beat the Wildcats. They are now 3-0, and and they are hosting an improving Southern Miss team. The Golden Eagles are 1-2. But they did have a four overtime loss to Liberty, who's very good, nearly took down Wake a week ago. And then they were competitive with Miami for about two or two and a half quarters uh, before uh, coming up shy against the Hurricanes and Miami pulling away down the stretch. And so it'll
2: be interesting to see if Tulane can get to four in that one. Yeah, they've been really good, Bubba. And uh, obviously, we could talk a long time and we're not. But uh, Tulane is one of those uh, teams, a dark horse, if you will, uh, for the American. And they're one of those teams that they have a great coach, great program. Um, who doesn't want to go to New Orleans if you're a college kid? Uh, they've really made it attractive. Build a stadium that's uh, on campus. And uh, so they they have a great thing going there. And i tell you what we go there in a couple weeks, we better be ready to play football.
3: Oh, no doubt. Uh, I know Kyle has been saying that for quite some time. That's, you know, those road games, the back-to-back road games after starting with four straight at home, uh, going to South Florida and going to Tulane, uh, keep an eye on those as far as, you know, we're going to have to uh, really handle our business because you saw South Florida – and what they're capable of, uh, and they're a steadily improving team with a coaching staff that's been in place now for a few seasons. Finally, some continuity there in Tampa, and then also uh, Willie Fritz. Uh, what, a, what a strange 2021 it was for the Green Wave going 2-10, and 10, and they've already surpassed that. Uh, as I mentioned, they're 3-0 and and looking to get to 4-0 this weekend in that rivalry matchup with former conference foe, southern miss
2: no doubt that's a very short drive as you know bubba from uh southern miss and hattiesburg Uh, i remember i've actually been three times to hattiesburg i think that's right and um just going uh, cutting through uh to go to baton rouge um to the yeah i've actually never
3: been to hattiesburg that's all my dad went back in 2010 coach ross
2: oh yeah um, first
3: season he and greg burke uh, traveled via Amtrak uh, to Hattiesburg. So they had quite the lengthy trip uh, down to watch the Pirates win a thriller over the Golden Eagles that night where I think we rallied from uh, a 21-0 first quarter deficit to uh, take
2: down Southern Miss. Yeah, and that Hattiesburg was a great college town, like we talked about. And, um, again, very, very close to – very close to Baton Rouge – And I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of Mississippi. The people there are very, you know, the thing about Mississippi I love is very friendly people. So uh, good luck to uh, both teams, the Green Wave and certainly with uh, Hattiesburg. In fact, uh, let's give a shout out to Ron James. James is a friend of Kyle's who um, now has become a friend of ours. And uh, James uh, was watching earlier. Um, They appreciate him and his support of the program over the years. Yep. And as you saw there,
3: uh, he was excited to hear us talking about the Sun Belt matchup between App State and James Madison. And then also hashtag Fun Belt, hashtag SMTTT,
2: which is Southern Miss to the top. I didn't know. Okay. I know Southern Miss to the top. I was trying to figure that out. But um, shifting gears now
3: away from the American.
2: Let's take a look
3: uh, at some of the games of national and regional interest. Uh, in the ACC, you have number five Clemson uh, visiting number twenty one Wake Forest, and uh, and that one, Clemson, I think, is about a touchdown favorite, and I really like the Tigers on uh, chances of covering there. Uh, Wake's very good, but I I just think that with the way Clemson, you know, with the way they uh, stop the run and their their tremendous defense. I do think it will be a more competitive game than it was a year ago. Last year it was 48-27. And uh, really wasn't that close, as I recall, um, down in Death Valley. But uh, I do think that uh, Clemson will win that one uh, by more than the seven or seven and a half. Um, So that one's on Saturday at noon on ABC in Winston-Salem. Yeah, I –
2: Yeah, Bubba, I actually uh, – I have, that one is one that I've been struggling with, Bubba, because um, not, again, taking up too much time. Um, but, man, as much as I want to pick Clemson, I just have a feeling I, I'm a big I, – I know you are too, Bubba. You're a quarterback, for those that don't know. But Bubba is a, a really good quarterback uh, from back in the day, uh, not too far back in the day. Um, I just – I think this is going to be a nail biter and I just, man, I, um, this has been really difficult as much as I want to pick Clemson and the conventional wisdom. And I love Davos Sweeney and all that. Um, look out for Sam Hartman. Um, I think he's going to have a really big day, even though that defense is great. And, um, and I, I'm going for straight up. I, I think wake forest could pull up the upset. I really do. I don't know. Maybe I'm, that's the game that I've been really nervous about. It wouldn't stun me, um, but, yeah, I'll definitely go with Clemson.
3: Um, but Wake, Wake is definitely capable if Clemson doesn't go in there and, uh, you know, they turn the ball over. Uh, you have, uh, you have DJ, DJU, uh, as they call him, uh, you know, th- throw a, a couple picks or three picks or something like that, and Wake wins the turnover battle. Um, But I, I just think that um the edge in that matchup that they have defensively, yeah. in my opinion, is so strong. That's why I like Clemson so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, Sam Hartman and uh, Dave Clawson's uh, offensive attack ha- has really been impressive over the last two to three seasons. And he's done a nice job there, you know, doing things that even Jim Grobe wasn't able to do. But, um, you know, sticking – Within the state, uh, you also have um, Duke taking on Kansas. Um, That is taking place um, on the road. Um, Duke is traveling to Lawrence. Uh, They're a a seven-and-a-half-point underdog. And then you also have Notre Dame visiting Chapel Hill.
2: And then NC State What
3: has what will be a breeze against
2: Utah. Yeah. If uh, (laughs) I tell you one thing, if NC State loses that game, oh, my God, that would be – Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Kyle from the Grange. What's
1: going on, fellas? I I uh, don't
3: know what if you guys previewed yet already. Um, we we took a look around the American, uh, and we're currently uh, talking about some of the other in-state matchups. And before we get move on nationally, yeah, we just yeah, we, yeah. we just mentioned Clemson, Way, Duke, Kansas, and Notre Dame, North Carolina.
1: Is that game in Winston Salem?
3: Yes, it is. And Clemson, it Clemson is a I think it's a okay. seven point, seven favorite.
1: you know, I don't I don't know what to make of Wake. They struggle with Liberty. I really don't know what to make of Clemson either. Their defense is good. Um I, I, I we talked about Kansas Duke. Um I think Kansas covers that and wins by two to three touchdowns. Um, could be wrong. But uh that's my prediction on that one. Um and uh State Yukon, um that should be a bloodbath. USC Notre so, Dame, um, that was interesting too. I, I don't, I, I like Carolina in that game. What's the line on that?
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you, Kyle, it just because the way Notre Dame struggled yeah, to score. Bad.
1: Yeah, USC's defense is pretty bad, it, though. It, uh,
3: and, you're, and you're right. To, and that's what I was just about yeah. to also say. As bad as North Carolina is defensively, uh, I still, I just think that, uh, on the road that, that with the, with the, yeah, with the game being in Chapel Hill, that Notre Dame, uh, is not going to be able to outscore them. What's the line on that? Just one moment. This, uh, I think it's fairly large. Uh, let's see. It is actually, I'm, I'm wrong on that. It's very close. It's essentially a pick'em. uh, uh, North, North Carolina minus two. Okay.
1: That's what I figured. Um, I'd probably take Carolina to cover that and win. So, uh, oh, we got Matt here with
3: Road Noise. Road Rage, Cemenza. What's going
0: on, guys? Can you hear me okay? Or is it is it uh, a little nah, strange?
3: You sound, you sound we, good, Matt. You sound we good. got you, Grinder.
0: I'm just grinding away, fellas. I'm driving back from, from the great city of Boston right now. Boston? Headed back to Connecticut. I just uh, had some nice chowder in Boston, and I'm heading back home.
3: Matt really went to Chestnut Hills to uh, hand-deliver a message from Pirate Nation to Boston College.
0: No doubt about it. I wasn't too far from Chestnut Hill. Be Rosenbaum, but...
3: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Rosenbaum.
0: But, uh, yeah. How's it going, fellas? How you guys doing?
2: So, Matt, I have a question for you. Yes. Which team do you hate the most, Boston College or Charlotte? Put you on the spot, buddy. Put you on the spot. I mean, I
0: I definitely hate Charlotte. It's, it's not that I hate Charlotte. I just don't respect them at all. Yep. And it bothers me that we have to be in a conference with them. Um, but in terms of teams I hate the most... Notre Dame? Oh, no. I mean, it's more like West Coast. I just don't respect the Pac-12 either. Um. So, pretty much... You know, the Arizonas, the Arizona states, just zero respect for those schools. But, uh, hey, uh, you know, I I don't know. I'm
1: going to disagree with you about the Arizona schools, Matt, because the talent in Arizona, and when I mean talent, I don't mean the football players. The the talent at the Arizona schools is spectacular. So
2: (laughs) you got to give them credit for that.
0: I'll never argue with you about that, my friend.
2: And the partying there in Arizona, I might That goes hand-in-hand hand with the talent. Yep. Yeah, it's right. very good. So, the scenery, as Kyle would say. Is very yeah, good. Uh, and me, personally, uh, I
1: hate Boston College more, but I'm with Matt. I don't respect Charlotte's football program and think they should be playing in the Colonial. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Hey, guys, let, let, let's shift gears from the uh, more uh, – from the ACC to the SEC, um, I know this is certainly a game that will be, you know, heavily anticipated and, and watched in the Semenza household, and that is the the rivalry between Florida and Tennessee. Uh, Gators going up to Neyland Stadium, and. and uh, and yeah, they're 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 hoping um, that they can continue to do what they've done to Tennessee. Uh, six, 16 out of seventeen, I think the Gators have won now. But I think this uh, this will be the ball's year.
2: Oh yeah, you know that with uh, Josh Heupel, man has got that thing rolling in in Knoxville, and they have. I just think with uh, Florida, you know, Napier probably will turn it around, but they got to be patient with him. It's just not, they don't have the athletes that you would expect from Florida or they're not playing up to their potential. And man, I think, Matt, I don't know what the line is, guys, on that game, but I I think uh, Tennessee wins that one big.
0: I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 10 and a half.
2: It it is
3: you're correct, Matt. It's Tennessee by 10, 10, ten and a half. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's
2: a
1: talent issue with Florida. I think it's a buy-in issue and just learning a new system, et cetera, with Billy Napier. Um, it was surprise to see Florida win that game, but I, I like the balls to take care of business.
3: Yeah, actually, and I, Matt, you've probably heard this as well. You know, according to uh, some people very close and in the know around that Florida program, um, they they feel that it is a lack of talent, and then that, that they feel that the buy-in with Billy Napier and his staff have been or has been tremendous. So, uh, yeah, but I, 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 Bob,
1: I heard that crap. Somebody's got some echo, real bad. Uh, I heard that crap that uh, that that uh, uh, what's his nuts? He, he, he's on ESPN at halftime just a minute ago
3: previously coached Florida. Dan Mullen? I
1: heard Dan Mullen, Mullen wasn't recruiting well, and I, I just... I don't buy that. I mean, I'm not close to the Florida program, but Matt would probably know better than me.
0: So, I think a lot of their problems... I mean, I, I definitely think the talent's not where it was in, in the, the glory years to, to, to say the least, but I think a big part of the problem right now is they just have a young quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He's got... I'm telling you guys, he is so talented. He is like a young Cam Newton. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's an incredible athlete, but he doesn't have the game reps yet. And um, I think that's really holding him back because he's turning the ball over, and he's not really he's not really at the point where he can read defenses to the level yet to win in the SEC. So I think I think that's a big problem.
3: Yeah, they're two and one, and they had that upset win. Against Utah in the opener, where where the ball bounced their way and they made some plays uh, in the clutch. Um, the game against Kentucky, they lost twenty six to sixteen. Uh, Richardson that you referenced, uh, he had a, a critical pick six that he threw, and uh, that allowed Kentucky to to uh, pull away. You know, or, you know, put that one away um, rather late. And then last week, uh, Florida nearly got upset by South Florida. So uh, definitely, I mean. Tennessee's clearly been the uh, much more impressive team. Uh, Tennessee hasn't played that challenging of a schedule. They've had Ball State and Akron. Akron. And and then they they did have a solid road win at Pitt, which is far and away their most challenging game.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good win, though. I mean, you could argue that, you know. Oh, that's that's a, that's a heck of a win. Yeah, I mean, Pitt, you know. Are maybe better than kentucky and utah you know, who knows they're the defending agency champions um granted they lost their best player to usc but uh, that should be an interesting game i expect it to be closer than the 10 uh, i i think tennessee wins it but i i bet you it's, it's closer than that 10 point line
2: do you, i see i i i think the 10 is not enough i i feel like that um Maybe I'm wrong, but I think Anthony Richardson is one of those guys that he's so streaky because, like Matt said, he doesn't have the experience. So if he plays out of his mind, yeah, it's going to be a tight game. But but you also can see where there's flashes of greatness, but he's not uh, – the good news for the Florida fans, he's not where he needs to be, where his ceiling is still uh, very high. But um, I just feel like that Tennessee team, I don't know. I just have a feeling they're going to run away with it. With Tennessee, uh, they,
3: they obviously have been very much a work in progress defensively. Uh, you know, the the schedule has been soft outside of Pittsburgh, and they're allowing uh, between fourteen and fifteen points per game. Which, um, despite that's fairly light schedule, uh, that is a significant improvement over where they've been in recent years. So that, combined with their offense, I just uh, I, I have a feeling uh, that uh, you know. If they can just slow down the Florida Russian attack, and then not not allow Richardson to beat him with the legs, because he's really not prepared to uh, to win a game with his arm right now. He's he's only thrown for about 430 yards in three ball games. Yeah. So I uh, so I really think that uh, I, I like Tennessee's chances of covering.
1: It's just a mental component to me for that game for the balls, and every time they play Florida.
3: Definitely is close. they've 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 lost sixteen out of seventeen
1: exactly. So that's why I think it may end up being closer. Um, plus, I, I think people may be overreacting to that South Florida game. I think there may yeah. have been a little look ahead to uh, to Tennessee. Kentucky's pretty good, so that loss to Kentucky, you know, I just think the better team won. But uh, yeah, I fully expect the balls to win. But yeah. I, I, they, they make cover. I hope they cover. If, if I had to pick an SEC team, you know, I'm a closet balls fan.
2: Hey, by the way, guys, I I just came across. Uh, I was going to go to the game, but we had the uh, the show tonight. Uh, congratulations to, in fact, you can hear and listen to our interview with Coach Gary Higgins. How about this, guys? We beat Houston tonight one to nothing at home at Johnson Stadium. So, congratulations to the Women's soccer team continuing to win. We don't leave. we give uh, the Olympics. I love guys. Um, that's a big, big win for the Pirates. In fact, you have to go all the way back to Conference USA days. The, they're two and zero now in the American Conference. They've never done that first time ever for our program. So congratulations to Coach Higgins and the ladies from the ECU soccer team. And that includes those over top twenty five Florida and SMU.
1: So we got to be pretty close to the top twenty five ourselves.
2: Yep. yep. So, go. let's yeah. talk about the other football.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, let's see some other some other interesting games uh, nationally. You know, within the Big Twelve, uh, you, you have number seventeen Baylor going to three and and0 Iowa State. The Cyclones are are uh, outside the top twenty five, but that's a intriguing matchup. Uh, you have Texas Tech. I really like this line. Texas Tech plus seven at home against number 22, Texas. Uh, Obviously, UTSA is a very good football team, and uh, they gave the Longhorns everything they wanted in in Austin last week. But I I like Texas Tech coming off a a loss, returning home to host uh, in-state rival uh, number 22, Texas. What's the
1: line in that bubble?
3: It's it's plus seven,
1: Texas. I, I I don't know. I have no idea how good Texas Tech is. They they um, I haven't watched them play except someone gets NC State last week. Um, Texas looked really good against Alabama.
3: Right, um, but I think part of my logic here, I think uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, I think he's he is out for, um, you know, several weeks. That it's, Texas quarterback. Uh, it, it, Yes, uh, so okay. that that's um, that's the same reason. Last week I took uh, I took UTSA plus the twelve and a half or whatever they were getting in Austin. Okay,
1: uh, then uh, yeah, you could be right. Uh, Texas Tech might have a chance in on that one, um,
3: but yeah, if. if- if Quinn was playing, I would uh I would take the Longhorns e- even on the road to cover that seven uh, in the, in the spread. Obviously, we'll probably it would not be seven, but uh whatever it would be, I'd still probably take them to cover it. But uh, with the quarterback situation, that's the reason I would be going with them. And then uh and then uh, shifting over to the SEC, but in the state of Texas, you had A and M bounce back with a big win over Miami. After the upset against App State, uh, so then you have um, Arkansas on the top ten Razorbacks and got a scare from an FCA FCS foe, what Missouri State last week. Yeah, but they're in the top but, five. But, yeah, right, right, but but I but I like um, I like Arkansas plus two at A and M.
1: So Arkansas's uh, two point dog on the road. I do too, actually. I like Arkansas to win that game. Um, I think they were overlooking Missouri State. Obviously, Petrino has a chip on his shoulder about playing Arkansas. Um, It's a good FCS program. They're trying to win a national championship there at Missouri State. So, um, they they actually, there's there's been some talk uh, about them moving up and joining Conference USA. Um, So, we'll see if that ever happens for Missouri State. But uh, I I like uh, like Arkansas in that game, too, brother. Yeah,
0: and guys, Texas A&M, they're, they're, the strength of their team is defense. They only give up about nine points per game. But they struggle to score. I mean, they really yep. struggle to score. And last week, the, the, they, yes, they won the game versus Miami, but I thought that was just as much Miami kind of handing them the game. You know, if you watched it, the Hurricanes were in the red zone a number of times and came away with nothing. Um, really conservative play calling from Miami last week. And I thought they kind of gift-wrapped that game to A&M. So, I'm not really a believer yet. I am a believer in their defense. Defense is fantastic, but, you know, the offense is not that great. And, you know, their best bet to win this game is to, to throw the ball because Arkansas has one of the worst secondaries in the country statistically. Um, so, if, if A&M going to score points, they're going to need to throw it.
1: I don't think they have
2: the ability to.
0: Yeah, I, I – I, I really don't think they do either. So, I think Arkansas hey. will
2: outscore them. Guys, how about this? The stat of the week, Arkansas has the worst pass defense in in all of FBS. Like, Well, it's 130 out of, I guess, 100. Well, who have their opponents been besides Missouri State? And uh, that's a good question.
3: They played Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. Uh, they played – let's see, who else was it?
0: C- Cincinnati in the
3: opening. Yeah, Cincinnati. Okay,
1: so they've been battle
3: tested really
1: through all three games because I'm gonna give Missouri State a little credit. That's not like playing you know uh, Gardner well Gardner well almost be coastal, but you know what I mean this it, that's not your typical FCS program so there there was so Tech M's battle tested also that should that should it should be a pretty good football game against two teams that have played somebody you know Texas has played App state and and uh Miami um so both teams are
2: battle tested. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, Go <laughs> ahead. Bro. And to me, it comes down to I think with this matchup, it comes down to coaching. Sorry, everybody loves Jimbo Fisher. I'm not a Jimbo Fisher fan, um, and I tell you one thing: my God, um, with with Arkansas, they have one hell of a coach. I, I really like him a lot. I really do.
3: Yeah, Sam Pittman. Talk yeah. about a talk about a character. Uh, yeah. That's so my my dad heard one of his. Post game interviews here recently. I'm trying to remember if it was after that South Carolina game, perhaps. But uh,
2: beer. I'm not promoting a beer. But but yes,
3: yeah, he said something (laughs) about enjoying a beer. And then after the interview was over, the ESPN announcers were like, "I think uh, they're like a beer. I think he will put a dent in that case."
2: I tell you one thing. I would love. I would love. It's funny that you say that, Bubba. I would love to see Gary Rosenbaum and Sam Pittman drink some beer together. I think that would be fantastic. I would just sit back and maybe we should record it and put it up on the Sports Objective YouTube channel. <laughs> that would be some podcast gold, baby. Gary Rosenbaum and and Sam Pittman. Yeah, we'll get them together. Um, I uh, soon, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I got I got Sam Pittman's number. I'll call him tonight. Um, okay, go for it. I will. I'm I'm gonna tell him to keep. Uh, Coach Briles uh, on standby for us uh, if, if Houston leaves. Um, uh, big fan of he is. Uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be a hit coach someday, The OC there at uh, Arkansas.
0: So, guys, yeah. speaking of, uh, of Briles, I think it was – I think B. Pays – it was either B. Pays or Sunhalter made a comment last night that if West Virginia moves on from Neil Brown, that Bryles might be a great fit in Morgantown. I thought that was pretty interesting. Bring that that high that high octane attack into uh, you know into Morgantown into the Big Twelve.
1: Well, they've had it before. Well, and it was, well and what? If, I mean, Neil Brown runs runs an air raid style offense, and then um, and and I know that's not an air raid, but it, you know that you go back to old uh, craphead at Houston, so. It would be more of the same, really. I mean, I I could see that hire making some sense, Matt, but it would be kind of more of the same. You know, that would be three straight offensive-minded coaches. Something tells me people tend to want to change what they're doing. You know, if you've hired an offensive guy, if you've hired an offensive guy and you fire, you tend to go the other way. So I I, I bet you they don't hire another offensive-minded guy if they fire Neil Brown, Although, although I do think Brawls would be a good hire
3: anywhere. That's one of the things that's so uh, that would make, in my opinion, Kendall Brawls so appealing because uh, not only you know, does he have a background as far as throwing the football, but uh, the way they got the job done in that bowl game against the Tar Heels when they had all those people out, and you know, I'm trying to remember it was something ridiculous. The number of players they had behind center that night catching snaps and, you know, basically using a wildcat, to, or uh, what what is it that Southern Miss calling it, superback, super a, a superback type approach, uh and they ran for over six hundred yards against North Carolina.
1: Yeah, if you don't know that's coming, if you don't prepare for that, that that is that is an irritating thing to stop. So that was good coaching on Brawl's part there that night and. uh he, uh he's a crafty coach and he's got uh he's got obviously someone who will never be allowed to coach in college football again uh, on speed
3: dial who's a, who's a great mind and, and somebody else that came up in that conversation uh, last night uh, for that West Virginia job should it come open and uh, that is Hugh Freeze uh, t- <laughs> B Pays referenced somebody uh, uh you know very uh. Well-off businessman there in the uh, Morgantown area, you know, and he is talking about that what he would do to uh, get Hugh Freeze. I can see that.
1: Um, obviously, being there in uh, Lynchburg, he's been recruiting the area. Um, Liberty pays okay. him well. Um, they, would
3: um, they would definitely be willing to look over his uh, mishaps from the past, where whereas some schools
2: uh, may not.
1: Well, if, if Liberty can overlook him, I mean.
2: <laughs> and they're yeah I've already paid him three million dollars a year and you have uh, West Virginia I mean what do you think they would pay him at least that probably four million maybe I don't know I they would they would have to go four to five um, yeah for him
1: to leave yeah I would think uh speaking was, of West Virginia if, you, if you're watching the game they're leading Virginia Tech 13 to 7 and I uh, have it in the Reds on third and goal um so uh yeah, I really don't think West Virginia's that bad this year. I think I think if you if you look, they they lost to a really good Pitt, they lost to a really good Kansas, and um, they they ran both those games. Could have won them both. If they'd have won those games, people would be talking about West Virginia's sleeper team to win the Big Twelve. So I wouldn't be surprised if if West Virginia turns it around this year and ends up winning eight or nine games. Um, it needs to start tonight, though. I hope so. And I just
0: I. I... I, I am always happy
1: to see Virginia Tech lose, personally. So, go Mountaineers! Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't like either one of them, but yeah, uh, of the two, yeah, go Mountaineers.
2: <laughs> Mountaineers all the way with uh, Virginia Tech, and they're they're getting a little bit of a. Uh, it's nice to see Virginia Tech getting that humble pie, right? Fourth
1: and goal coming up for uh, for the Mountaineers. I just missed maybe. the battle
2: for the battle for the Black Diamond
3: Trophy.
1: West Virginia lining up to kick a field goal right now, and it's good. So West Virginia up 16-7. to 7.
0: And what, what quarter is it, Kyle?
1: Seven minutes, four seconds, third quarter.
0: Gosh, gotcha. Okay. Boy, how abysmal is Virginia Tech's offense this year? I mean, they just cannot muster any points. Um, I think they scored 27 on BC, but that's a down BC team and only, what, 14 on OTU. So they're struggling to score.
1: Yeah, they have they have no offense, and when when I watching them play tonight, um, West Virginia secondary is bad, and uh, that quarterback that, that they have, the Marshall transfer, is streaky as always, and he's got a cannon. And uh, I would just go deep all night. I, you know, I, I I don't I didn't think they went deep enough against Old Dominion, and I'll say it again tonight. Um, that kid's got a big arm, and just looking at West Virginia secondary, if I was Virginia Tech, I'd be throwing the ball downfield constantly.
2: No question about it. it looks like, uh, man, I don't know. They, they've got a rough. Uh, they got a rough. Not that I'm um, hurt by it, but they've got a rough road ahead. I think for Virginia Tech guys. Uh, one of the things you know, we're talking about the Navy game at ECU. Don't you think that you're starting to see our program really shoot up, and uh, we're going to have a really big ceiling? Whereas uh, uh, programs like Navy and Temple that have been up while we've been down, now they're coming down. It's like Gravity: What comes up must go down. Well,
1: I think Navy, and I think the academies in general, with the with the transfer portal and NIL, and uh, with the new um, blocking rules that are in place, um, I think the academies as a whole may be on the way down. Um, so uh, Temple, yeah, they're trending downward. They were they were pretty competitive against Rutgers this past week, um, but we'll, so we'll see. I wish we played Temple early. Uh, they may get better as the season goes on. Um, but uh, Navy is definitely trending now. I hope that continues this week.
2: Yeah, I was going to say um, Coach Houston, again, very upset about them having a bye week. And uh, we'll see how hopefully the conference will stop giving them a bye week right before us and that we'll finally have a chance to. Um, I don't think it's going to make a, a difference. I think the only difference is whether we cover or not this week the only difference well i mean
1: I, I don't know about that dave um i think we could lose the game but uh i i, I certainly think the Pirates get the w but uh, i'm not i'm not gonna you know it's not campbell i'm not gonna go and sit there and say
2: there's no chance Navy can beat us because that'd be foolish based on history no doubt and guys what do you think about uh I know, Matt, you love the Pac-12, as you just talked about (laughs) earlier in the show. But what about, um, Bubba was asking about USC Oregon State.
0: Well, it's funny, you know, the odds makers have that game very tight. Um, I think it's like five or six, if I'm not mistaken, I'm in the car. Um, but It kind of surprised me a little bit. And... I don't know what to make of Oregon State, to be honest, fellas. I think USC will win the game. I think they'll outscore them. But, um, you know, hey, look, let's face it. Everybody's saying Lincoln Riley is his first year. You know, he's he's turned over the program, this and that. But in the era of the transfer portal, you can turn over a program pretty quick nowadays. And especially when you're a USC, you can basically just, you know, shake your finger and have – 10 to 15 guys that want to come play football there. So, I mean, you got to give him credit. He's brought in really good players. But so much of that, so much of his success right now, beyond the fact that he's a great play caller, is the fact that he benefited from the trans- transfer portal big time.
1: Yeah, they got talent out there. They already had talent. And then, you, like you said, transfer portal. They got the kid from Pitt who's arguably the best receiver in college football. Um, Oregon State's pretty good. I watched them play Boise. Um, they, you know, they, 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 they've been—they're pretty good last year too. Um, is that game in Corvallis or, or LA? I'm not sure. I'm assuming for the line to be closest in Corvallis. Um,
0: Tickets in Corvallis, Kyle.
1: Okay. Um, I like USC to win it, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon State gave them a game
2: yeah, I don't think it's going to be running away and Lincoln Lincoln rally is a heck of a coach, but it's not that they're God awful. Um, but just imagine Lincoln rally in a few years with USC. Don't you guys think?
1: Yeah. And I, I think you win Pac-12 this year. Pac-12 is not that great this year. I mean, Washington, Washington looks pretty good. Oregon's pretty good. Um, Oregon State's all right, but, uh, I think uh, I think he could win it in year one. I think Oregon and Washington will have something to say about it. But um, uh, this is, uh, I guess this is his first real test. Um, you know, Stanford probably been very good. So, this is his first real test. Yes. And so, we'll find out more about what USC is this week.
2: No doubt, guys. And um, Matt, uh, to me, the most overrated football program in America. And maybe this is a stretch, but... Talk about that Texas team. When is Texas – everybody talks about how Texas is back. And I'm not going to go – I know we're long going long tonight. But when is Texas going to be back? I'm so sick and tired of the media talking about how Texas is back, Texas fans. Um, I do like Coach Sark. But, my God, every time you turn around, you hear about Texas is back, Texas is back, Texas Texas is back. Well, I when think is the quarterback?
1: Not, I think their quarterback, had he not got hurt, I think it could have been this year. They could have won the Big 12, and they still might. Tell not what you mean by back? You mean back is in terms of competing for a national championship or compete for a Big Twelve title? I mean, I think they can compete for a Big. How how long is uh, how long is their quarterback going to be out for? If he's going to be back soon, then uh, I think they're they can compete. Previous. I think they can compete with Oklahoma uh, for the Big Twelve championship this year.
2: I'm not saying that they're bad, but they're expect. What I'm talking about with Texas, with their fans especially, and even the media, is that the expectations are going to be up there with Mount uh, with. Uh, when Mac Brown had them up so high, and that was what 2006. They've been at that level to win a national championship in that range.
0: It's been it's been a while since they've been at that elite level, and there's yeah. certain teams every year, Dave and Kyle, like they No matter what, they're going to be ranked in the top 25. Texas and Miami come to mind. Very
2: Notre good. Dame. Notre Dame. Notre yeah, Dame.
0: good lord, Notre Dame. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but like. Miami, I feel like they're perennial. I mean, every year they're overrated, in my opinion. Um, but, but to your point, Dave, I mean, Texas, I think they have everything it takes to be an elite program. I think Sark's a good coach. God knows they have their recruiting grounds. Yeah. Fertile recruiting grounds. But it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, they're competing now against A&M and the SEC. Um, so many schools in Texas, it's, it's got yeah, some, no, nobody's
1: got more money than Texas. so in the in the in the day and age of NIL, um, this should be when Texas is able to really build something.
2: No doubt. I mean, you know that they've got the I mean, their budget is what and what can we do uh, in East Carolina, man, if we had that budget, oh, my goodness, with that budget they have in Austin. Uh, with Texas, man, they have got a budget to die for.
1: half their budget.
2: Do what? Said I wish we had
1: half their budget.
2: Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. But they're um, it's going to be interesting to see how if they can. Um, and then you have that matchup this week, but the Red River. Uh, what is it? The Red River Rivalry, I guess it's called now. Um, that that's going to be. Uh, I think you're right, Kyle. They I think they can give um, Oklahoma. Still, we'll see how they play out. You guys have anything before we go? We've been running a little bit long tonight, but we we uh, but we obviously love talking college football here on the inside. I, I don't,
1: is, is there anything interesting in? Uh, I don't know if Bubba's still uh, producing here. If there is there anything interesting out of the Sun Belt Conference USA, MAC, Mountain West, any any of those leagues have uh, any interesting games this week?
0: There is Kyle. There is um, I, I, in my opinion, app.
2: Versus JMU. Okay, that was probably talked about while we before yeah. we got
1: home. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Gotcha, yeah. Dave. Gotcha. Tom-
2: we had Dave Thomas on, who was a play-by-play voice uh, with James Madison. Now he's covering. Uh, it's interesting. He moved back to Boone to take care of his 91 year old mom um, in that area, and uh, he's in radio there, and moved back to North Carolina to take care of her. And so now he's gone from being the play-by-play voice of James Madison. And now he transitions, and now he's doing a weekly show about the Mountaineers. Um, wow. And so, a uh, cool thing there. It was great to have a uh, catch up with him uh, yet again. Is that in and Boone
1: or Harrisonburg?
2: That's in Boone, and that's going to be a rocket atmosphere. I, I think because it's in Boone, you got to give the edge to uh, obviously Appalachian State. That's my, it's going to be a tight, that's going to be, a, you're right, Matt. That's going to be, um, you know, all these, I said this early in the show, guys, that well, before you were on, all the media has talked about how this is a down week, down week, down week. Well, guess what? There's a lot of uh, good games that are under the radar um, that, uh, to me, even though you don't have the marquee matchups maybe they want, it's still a lot of good football uh, to be played this, this week. Yeah,
1: James Madison and App's interesting. Uh, I, You know, App's defense, um, to me, is questionable. Uh, I know they beat A and M, but A and M doesn't have any defense, or any offense, right? So um Ab's got a great offense. That could be a shootout. Would surprise me if James Madison won that one. Um, I, I, that, that, that's going to be a good game. Um, I, I'm not saying I'm taking the Dukes, but uh, that that'll be a real good game. How about Bowling Green upsetting Marshall um, in overtime after they beat Notre Dame, uh, and the and the Falcons fans stormed the field. Uh, from a game from last week.
0: Yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, you wonder, was that a, was that a, just a hangover game for Marshall? I mean, I don't know much about Bowling Green. But yeah, Bowling Green is not very
1: good. I, I think they are a little game. better. I think they're a little better this year than they have been. But, yeah, I think it was a hangover game for Marshall. And that's a rivalry game. People don't realize yeah. that. Uh, the schools are very close geographically, and they were rivals back in the back days. So, uh, it's a big deal for Marshall to come to uh, – to Bowling Green now non-conference, and they made that game homecoming, and uh, it by Bowling Green standards, that stadium was packed. So uh, yeah, hangover, and it was uh, kind of Bowling Green Super Bowl.
0: Is isn't college football amazing, guys? I mean, look at look at Marshall. Literally, they were on top of the world, right? Nobody gave them a chance in South Bend. They go in there, they pull the upset. Probably, I'm guessing, you know, there's a natural letdown, and then. College football can just humble you in a heartbeat. You go
1: yeah, and, almost, and, almost, and lose. It almost happened to App, you know. I think App got lucky. Quite frankly, at the end, it was well executed. It wasn't just luck. Um, but yeah, I, that was classic trap game. You you're, you're playing a rival game, and, and the rivalry is more is more important to the other team. It's on the road. You just had a huge upset win. Classic trap game for the herd at, at Bowling Green.
2: Oh, no doubt about it, my God. Going to Even though Notre Dame is not it for this year, the fact that you can go into South Bend and beat Notre Dame, are you kidding me? That's a great win uh, for that program. And the Thunder Heard, uh, great football program, obviously. Who does who, to play this week? Who, who,
1: are they off or are they get the bounce back and try to get that Bowling Green test out of their mouth? Do,
2: do either one of you know? I haven't heard that about them. I'm not
1: sure. I don't know.
0: I'm not sure. i not sure.
2: Now you're supposed
0: to know. Um, <laughs> let me ask you guys this. Do you have do you have a sleeper team that you think's being undervalued? That's really kind of off the radar a little bit that you think could, you know, make a run, maybe maybe, you know, I'm not saying get into the playoff, but you know, be maybe like a top seven team.
1: Um mm. y- y- maybe USC, uh, that we talked about earlier. Um, wouldn't okay. be surprised at all if Lincoln does that in year one. Um, I think uh, his old team, Oklahoma. I don't even know where they're ranked right now, but uh, they—they've been a little. I think people thought they were going to take a big step back this year, and so far they've been running like a well oil a well oiled machine. I really don't know how big of a surprise you would consider Oklahoma if they were top seven, though. Um, besides that, uh, I'd have to give it some more thought, Matt. You—you—you you, you have somebody in mind clearly. Who is it?
0: Uh, just keep an eye on Penn State, guys.
2: Just keep an eye I on was re- there. I, oh, my God, Matt. I was getting ready to say – oh, my God, that is so weird. I was getting ready to say – yeah, that you." that's why we're friends. I was getting ready to say Penn State because I really like their coach. I really like that – I mean, that division, guys, that division, uh, it was talked about on the radio, too. It's a good point that you look at the ACC – And the ACC has already scheduled a lot of good matchups, including Clemson Wig, when they should push it into October. And you look at the uh, Big Ten, I'm going to give some love to your conference, Matt. The Big Ten East, there's matchups, there's a lot of teams that could be, what, Matt, four or five and oh. And and so in October, and um, obviously they can't, they have to play each other at some point. But um, I think the ACC has been, truthfully, I think the ACC is more worried. About where their conference headquarters are going to be, than their conference. And if they're not careful, they won't have a conference. There's your hot take right there. Um, so I'm glad that they could get out of the way. They're going to move to Charlotte. That's more important than keeping your conference. So I think
1: the ACC because they're NIL deal, not their NIL deal, because they're a grant of rights deal, and their contract with ESPN. ESPN losing the Big Ten. I think the ACC is probably fine for now. Um, but uh, I, far as save your marquee matchups for November, excuse me, for October and November. Yeah, I think that, you know, makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, I really don't give a crap what the ACC does, but Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying.
2: Hey, by the way, uh, here's one for you, um, Matt and Kyle. Uh, Robert says Kansas might contend for Big 12.
1: They could. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that they have the defense to do that, but their offense is really good. Um, I, 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 they might contend for the Big Twelve. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that's probably um, a year away, maybe two years away, but uh, they'll they'll definitely be a bowl team. Um, he's a heck of a football coach. He did a great job in Buffalo, and uh, yep he's uh, doing a great job at Kansas in year two.
2: Hey, guys, we mentioned the team earlier, the the one that I'm uh, like a dark horse, one that could sneak into – right. well, not maybe the – I wouldn't say the CFP, but uh, under the four-team format that we have now. But, man, like we were talking about Sam Pittman. I, that Arkansas team has been such a disappointment for those fans in Fayetteville for so long, and then all of a sudden you take a guy like Sam Pittman. You want to talk about – we were talking about earlier – But Florida, Napier, with people buying in, what about Sam Pittman, the buy-in that those players have done in Fayetteville and where Arkansas football is where those fans want it to be?
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that. If you look at the SEC West, Texas A&M's offense sucks. Alabama is not as good as they normally are. They're good, but not as good as they normally are. Yeah. LSU is good, but not as good as they normally are, though. I do think Brian Kelly will get them even better as the year goes on. Uh, so if, if ever there was a year for somebody to sneak up and have a chance to win the West, it may be this year uh, for good Arkansas.
2: Point. Very good point.
0: Yeah, it's he's done the Brett Bielema really tanked that program. I mean, he.
2: Oh my God! He, yeah, he was like,
0: he was on par with you know, oh, dare I say, fellas, Scotty Moe in East Carolina. Yeah, but you, you got to remember there
1: was there was a there was there was a coach in between there was a coach in between Bielema and um and Sam Pibman. You had uh, yeah, what's his face from SMB, Chad, uh
2: Chad Morris, that was Chad, there for five he, minutes. So uh, yeah, he was not. Um, yeah, Chad Morris was not the guy for Arkansas, and I don't know why. That well, was...
1: I don't think Brett Bielema was. Um, you
2: think I Chad think, Morris I think, was? They, I think it was a – if you were going to
1: hire Chad Morris, it, what he does offensively is so drastically different than what Bielema does, you're going to have to give him four years. And Arkansas yeah, no was not prepared to do that. So, it was a dumb hire. Um, so, uh, I think um, – I think Belham. I think Belham is a decent coach. I just think he's a terrible fit for Arkansas. Um, he's doing all right at Illinois this year, isn't he? What are, what are they? Anything like three yeah. one, two and one, two and two, something like
2: that? Yeah, and that's wouldn't you say, Matt? You're a big. You're a Big Ten guy. He he was not an SEC guy. He was more of the fit for the Big Ten, and that's why you take a uh, normally. A not good Illinois team, and he's making them. It looks like he's making them relevant again.
0: Yeah, I always thought it was a really odd fit when he left Wisconsin to go to Arkansas. It's yeah. very strange. He's he's a Big Ten guy through and through. I mean he he loves to recruit big linemen. He has his ties are to the Midwest. He's doing a good job in Illinois this year, but um, you know, and, and I think a lot of his success at Wisconsin was he followed up from from Barry Alvarez. He inherited a tremendous program, and he just knew to keep recruiting the big, the big offensive linemen up front, and uh, keep running the football. And so I think that's what he is. And uh, but yeah, not I don't I don't see him as a guy that could coach in the SEC.
2: Uh, Matt, do you see as far as uh, him now? What's the ceiling for Illinois? Uh, it wasn't I- Lovey Smith.
0: My opinion, I think they're a mid-tier, a middle yep.
1: of the pack Big Ten team. I think that's yep. their ceiling. Yeah, I agree. I agree, one hundred percent. They're a basketball school, and they haven't been tremendous in basketball recently. Um, and, and they got pretty high academic standards out there. And uh, one of the worst logos in college football. There's not much to draw. And I've, I've been to Champaign, Illinois. There's, there's not much to to. Uh, yeah there's not much to draw you to want to come play there. Um, I uh, I think middle of the pack is probably about right. And I think Illinois football fans would be content with that. If they were a consistent bowl team, as bad as they've been over the last 20 years or so, um, if they were a six to eight win team on a consistent basis, I think they'd be pretty satisfied.
2: No doubt about it, especially when they're normally uh, towards the bottom of the pack. And um, the Big Ten, just the middle of the pack would be, uh, man, that would be a huge upgrade for sure. Do you guys have anything before we go We're running about 90 minutes long? So uh, anything before?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm all good, fellas. Good to uh, chime in. Thanks for helping me pass the time on my, my trip back from Boston.
1: I yeah. got nothing. I got nothing. I, uh, I'm going to try to be in the Navy game Saturday um hopefully i feel exhausted today over exerted myself yesterday um so uh plan to be at the navy game saturday and uh dave uh are you working tomorrow
2: i will be working tomorrow yes sir i'll see you in the morning what time 10 a.m all right
0: I, I do have a final thought Dave. one second okay. did kyle buy a white shirt that's what the inquiring minds
1: wanna know. I actually Kyle Matt, I Matt, I actually realized I do have an old East Carolina white t shirt. Yes. That will, that will nice. probably that will probably fit me now again. Yes. I um, uh, may go. or may not wear it. I don't know. Um <laughs> You gotta wear it you gotta take a picture. I don't know we're I have gonna, to wear it. Gonna, um we're gonna,
0: we're
1: gonna we're gonna post it on the sports
0: objective. Nah, um, you're not, yes. I Park. promise
1: you you're you're if I wear a white t shirt, nobody's posting a picture anywhere. Because <laughs> uh, bad uh, guys shouldn't wear white, and there's a reason for that. Um, uh, but uh, I may or may not wear it. Uh, I think it, you know, like I, Kevin I, Nash, we're completely big sexy. Just, just like uh, just like uh, the white helmets aren't going to have much effect on whether we win or lose. Uh, neither will if I wear white or not. So, uh, by the way, that that'll be a hot take for me real fast. As we wrap this. as we wrap this up, some of our fans, and you know, if you're if you're just saying it to be stupid or to be funny. If you really think we can't win in a white helmet, that a white helmet dictates whether we win or lose, you're a complete moron. <laughs> uh, you, the, the only way it, the only way it dictates <laughs> is if you get it in the players' heads and then it becomes something in the middle for them. But people say we couldn't win in purple pants until we beat UNC in all purple. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. come on. It's a friggin' helmet. I've never in my life, oh, we've won in a way. We, we beat Connecticut. You know, it was UConn, it was Scotty Montgomery, but we won in white helmets. Just like we couldn't win in Birmingham until we did, and then we beat yeah, UAB several times in a row in Birmingham. So, I mean, I, get off that, guys. When when I, I, when we, you know, hopefully take care of business this Saturday, we won't have to hear anything about about not being able to win in a white helmet again.
2: That's so stupid. What about the uh, John Thompson?
1: Uh, that- well, those are just bad looking. The highlighter yellow jerseys were just ugly. <laughs> It wasn't it had nothing to do. We couldn't win in anything and playing under John Thompson, but you know, know. We, we we could have wore, we could have been buck naked and then we you know the other team might have ran away out of fear at that point. But that would have been the only way we would have won under John Thompson. Um, uh, those were ugly jerseys. I would like to see us do a yellow helmet or gold helmet. Whatever you are going to call it at some point. But anyway, that's all I got, guys. Uh, Dave, where do we wrap it up? We need to talk
2: about sponsors. What, what, what do we need to do? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. In fact, I uh, want to thank all our great sponsors. In fact, guys, um, if anybody wants to be a part of the show, they can uh, definitely do that and uh help uh help out the cause as they say and help us uh pay the bills. That would be fantastic. In fact, LNK Custom Homes want to give a shout out. In fact, they were they actually had some stuff on um by the way. I was gonna tell you guys with LNK Custom Homes uh Kevin Walker did on Facebook a house he did. Uh give Kevin a call. That he's actually the our wonderful sponsor title sponsor for the pirate playback. And we'll have that Sunday night uh, for you for sure. Want to give a shout out to Porky's backyard barbecue as they are our sponsor as well. And all uh, on PGXGloves.com. I want to thank them uh, for their support of the program. In fact, uh, Kyle, you can get a lot of cool things. Can't you? Uh, With PGX gloves. Yeah. My dog will uh, not uh, drown me out with her
1: squeaky toy. Yeah. You can get all kinds of cool gloves for, for you, if you play golf, uh, if your kid plays football, baseball, whatever, they got all your uh, sports gloves needs customizable. Uh, go to pgxclubs.com. And uh, we don't have the graphic up on the screen, but I believe that promo code is ECU and save uh, – you save something, Dave. You save some money. 25, save some money. 25% twenty five percent with promo code ECU. So there you go. Go to pgxclubs.com and spend a lot of money.
2: Uh, sounds good to me as we'll have uh, Pirate's Life with um... – with Bubba talking to Pirate Owl. And that'll be tomorrow, our Friday coverage. And, of course, the sights and sounds of East Carolina, the stadium. Um, Bubba will have that on Saturday. And, of course, we mentioned the Pirate playback all coming up. That'll be on Sunday, the wrap-up. Good luck to the Pirates. And uh, get out there, get loud. Get your tickets, 1-800-DIAL-ECU. And you can be one of the thousands of people to get autographs from Kyle on Saturday afternoon. Uh, ECPirates.com, one 800 dial ECU for Bubba Rosenbaum, uh, Dave Thomas, Matt Semenza, Kyle Barber. I'm Dave Richmond, And I'm reminding you, as always, go Pirates.